0: Welcome to Health Hats, learning on the journey towards best health. I'm Danny Van Leeuwen, a two-legged, cisgender, old white man of privilege living in a food oasis who can afford many hats and knows a little bit about a lot of health care and a lot about very little. Most people wear hats one at a time, but I wear them all at once. We will listen and learn about what it takes to adjust to life's realities in the awesome circus of health care. Let's make some sense of all of this. I wrote a story driving down from Detroit to Zewant, Nejo, Mexico in December 1971 with my dear friends, the Keeney family. Peggy, Jerry, Jenny, Becky and Allie. I had wanted to drop out of college, but Jerry suggested I ask to do an independent study for the semester. My advisors agreed. My study was full Mark Twain immersion, with the deliverable two stories written in the style of Mark Twain. I read my first story to the tribe in Zewantaneo on Christmas, 1971. I was 19. I just can't wait to get on the road again. I thought I had lost the story, but I found the manuscript a month ago tucked inside a book about Mark Twain called Mark Twain Himself. I wanted to give the book to my grandson, Oscar, Oscar and I read to each other for an hour each week. We've read Tom Sawyer and now we're reading Uncle Barry Finn. We started this pleasant ritual about a year ago when he was concerned about my Pokemon illiteracy. He read me quite a bit of Pokemon. He's become more literate about Mississippi life in the 1870s than I became about Pokemon. we're the best friends. anyway my brain needs a respite from covid 19 health choices politics oh life so rather than an interview or a rant I'm gonna to read to you that story I wrote almost 50 years ago this also gives me a chance to play around with the use of music on my podcast so what a hoot hang tight here we go I live in Biggers, where we believe in the American way. Success is how we play the game. That's what I've been taught all these years, and the actions of everyone here pretty well fits that bill. Biggers is out of the way, which is to say that strangers are strangers, and it ain't often they chance to pass through here, except that if they got lost finding the gas station off the highway about 10 miles down the road. I was coming home from school the other day, Man, I hate school. They say a lot and make us do a lot, but somehow I can't seem to make it all fit for me. You know, like that stuff about success. Be a man. Make a man of yourself. They say that's the way to be, but it sort of rubs me wrong. When I told Hank, he said there was something wrong with me, but I'm still not sure. He seems pretty hard put to win those contests he tries out for. He built up his arms carrying wood for a few months so he could hammer that ball that's supposed to hit the bell. If you're really strong at the county fair, you hit the bell. All the pretty girls will like you more. Well, he tried and tried, didn't really think he could do it, and he was right. Still, it was a blow to him. Me, I didn't even try, because I knew I couldn't, and I didn't want to care. Anyway, I was coming home from school and Hank came running over yelling about some weird stranger walking into town. Can you imagine that, walking into town? No car, no nothing. I ran off with Hank to see what was going on and here comes this man all dressed in black with long black hair, bushy eyebrows and a six inch scraggy beard. I couldn't quite make out his age. Some said he was about 25. Some said he was 60. He was ageless. The first time I saw him, he looked 150. Straight up, yet tired. He walked as if he'd been all over. Like Bigger's was his place to get a and donut until the train got going again. The closer I got to him, the more it seemed he had it all over me and everything. Still, I didn't feel dumb by it. Not like in school with teachers. I just felt more hopeful for some reason. I don't know why but it was funny. When I looked up at him again, he had the look of a woman about 25, who really dug kids and would rather be with them than those fool adults. I took an immediate liking to him. His smile warmed me all over. I sort of said hi. It came out a squeak, but I knew he got the message. The whole town crowded around the stranger, but he didn't seem to want to talk to anyone. This sure put some people out, but that's their own fault. He went over to old Mrs. Rogers' place for a room and she said she didn't have any, which is a lie, because nobody's stayed there in ten years. Who'd want to anyway? Me and Mrs. Rogers have been having a bad time together ever since she told my mom she'd seen me smoking behind the post office. So I said real innocent, like, What about that room above the shed? Mrs. Rogers gave me a look that would have soured a lemon, but I pretended I didn't see. The man got the room for five hours a week. Heck, She'd have paid him to keep all the mice up their company. People were itching to find out about the stranger, but he didn't seem to care. He never left a name anywhere and never introduced himself. I couldn't read the scribbled name he put in Mrs. Rogers' little book, so I named him New, N-E-W. It just came to me all of a sudden. Sounded pretty foreign. Well, he was foreign couldn't have come from anywhere any of us had ever been, except maybe ornery old Captain Sellers who says he's been around the world. This afternoon, Mr. Greystone, the mayor, went to him and asked him his name. Darn if he didn't say that some people called him new. He threw a twinkle in his eye to me when he saw me. I almost let loose in my pants. Now I really wanted to know more about him. I started wondering if maybe he couldn't answer my questions about the things they taught in school, especially about being a success. Heck, he sure was one. I don't know at what, but whatever he thought he was, I'll be darned if he wasn't a success at it. After the mayor finally got through his fancy hat that he wasn't going to pump new for more information, he split and made everybody else lead too. I went extra slow. When they were gone, I slipped back into his room and stood there in front of him, frightened, yet knowing he dug me being there. He said he was glad I was there, and could I please do him a favor? I would have given up half a gallon of ice cream and stayed in school an extra hour every day just to be with him, let alone do something for him. I'll be darned if he didn't want me to get him on the agenda for the next town meeting on the next Friday night. And I ran off and told the mayor to fix it up. He didn't like me giving him orders, but he was about to shake to death with curiosity. So he did it and only scowled at me. Which I go. Nobody saw New for the next few days, but that don't mean he wasn't thought about. You see, the town meeting is where everyone strings out their tall tales for putting this town back on the map. The mayor says for everyone to get into politics, even though I'm sure he's glad they aren't, because if they were, he'd be out of a job. Anybody had been better than him, but nobody cares enough except maybe Joe Cratcher, who owns the used car lot with four rickety old cars in it, but he'd be worse, and everyone knows, and so does Mr. Cratcher, so he doesn't get into politics either. He just tries to get the biggest dealership in the state, which is ridiculous because he only sells one car a year. And that's to the mayor who buys a city car to drive as his own to do city business, even though there ain't any because the county does it all now, seeing as biggers is so small. Well, Mr. Cratcher figured New might give him a hint on how to expand his business. Mrs. Rogers figured he'd talk about how to praise God. She's the most God-awful, God-fearing person in the world. I'm sure God doesn't waste no time on an old prune like her. Old Lady Jenkins, the schoolteacher, hoped she'd find a way to keep the kids quiet so she could cram some of them dusty old books down our throats. That's what she said, but I think she'd rather have built a fire and roast us all over. Bob hoped New would bring free booze so he wouldn't go broke on his next bender. But we all knew New wouldn't since he hadn't hardly any money and drinking didn't seem to be up his alley. Me, I didn't know what he was going to talk about, but I was darn sure I wasn't going to miss it even if I had to sneak out after Mom and Pop left for the meeting. word about our sponsor, Abridge. Use Abridge to record your doctor visit. Push the big pink button and record the conversation. Read the transcript or listen to clips when you get home. Check out the app at Abridge.com. A-B-R-I-D-G-E.com or download it on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Record your healthcare conversations. Let me know how it went. Well, Friday night came and everyone finished dinner early and put their kids to bed by eight. Can you imagine that expecting us all to go to bed for real by eight? But we went, figuring it would give us more time to sneak out and find a good hiding place at the town hall. Nobody seemed to notice that we went without a fuss. If they'd been thinking at all, they would have known something was up. That's adults for you. They can't think past the cowlicks and their greasy old hair. Us kids snuck out and crowded around some knot holes in the walls at the town hall. I got wise and went up in the rafters with Hank. We never told anybody about our place, so we could sneak up there any time we wanted and have plenty of room to stretch. Mm-hmm. The meeting started, and everyone gave their usual long-winded spiel until the ice-cold reception froze them up, and they sat down, bringing us closer to hearing New. Finally, it was New's turn to speak. People were quivering with anticipation, each one sure of what he was going to talk about. I almost fell off the rafters, but Hank caught me just in time. New stood up, straightened out his wrinkled black frock, sighed, and stepped up to meet us all. He slid the podium out of the way and took a long, piercing look around the room. He saw me in the rafters, even though I was hiding. I swear he nodded in recognition of me, but nobody else seemed to notice, so maybe I just dreamt it. He shifted his weight and began, A flippity doo da, a flippity-day, a flippity doo da, a flippity-day. Everybody got pissed real quick. What is this fake pulling on us? Who does he think he is anyway? But New kept on going just a little bit louder. A flippity do da, a flippity day. A flippity do da, a flippity day. Honest, I couldn't help myself. I was so entranced. I started a going. A flippity do da, a flippity day. A flippity do da, a flippity day. Hank looked at me like I had really fallen out of the rafters. Everybody looked up and saw us. They should have been mad at us hiding up there. It was against all sorts of rules. Couldn't get anywhere by breaking rules, they always said, but they weren't mad. They kept looking at us and looking back at new. Everyone was quiet, dusty road quiet, lull before a storm. It was all quiet except for the two of us singing softly a flippity doo da, a flippity-day, a flippity-doo-dah, a flippity-day, then you know what? Everyone hesitantly, slowly singing, a flippity doo da, a flippity-day, a flippity doo da, a flippity-day, ever so slowly, then quicker and louder, until they were singing to give you goosebumps. A flippity doo da, a flippity-day, a flippity doo da, a flippity-day. It was like 90-degree weather in the middle of winter. People were smiling, hugging, and kissing each other. They actually dug the isolation and silly ways of biggers. Mrs. Rogers even climbed up to the rafters and shook my hand. That ain't peanuts for a 200-pound woman. The meeting didn't last too long, or rather it lasted for a few days. It just spilled out into the streets and homes and everywhere. Mom hummed as she did her work. A flippity-doo-dah, a flippity-day. A flippity doo da, a flippity-day. We sang it on the playgrounds at the top of our lungs. A flippity doo da, a flippity-day. A flippity doo da, a flippity-day. But like any good thing, special good thing, some people didn't dig it. Mr. Greystone, the mayor, and Mr. Cratcher started questioning whether it was proper to be singing all the time and not working hard. I have a sneaking suspicion they were jealous of everyone. Nobody seemed to care a lick about used cars or town politics. Nobody appreciated their status, treated them as equals. Imagine that, the mayor and town used car dealer prominent people, and nobody was paying them special mind. Well, so it went. First, only a few people were thinking about it. Maybe we are being sort of silly and childish. I mean, actually singing some stupid song all day, not even a proper song with words and a definite tune, adults acting like kids. It hurts me to tell you about it. It spread faster than that little ditty did. Pretty soon only kids and Bob But Bob only sang it on his benders, and nobody ever thought twice about him. One day, somebody suggested that New was at fault. Why, it was him that started it all with that catchy tune. He's been causing the complete collapse of all respectability in this town. The kids don't even pay us any heed. I say, New is the best thing that ever happened to me. I began getting the feeling that maybe I didn't need to be cool and successful. I dug singing and smiling and dancing. Maybe there isn't anything wrong with that. I wasn't winning any contests at the county fair, but what the heck. I couldn't do it anyway. And if I could, what for? Not for me anyway. After the next town meeting, everyone ran new out of town. It was either that or 30 days for contributing to the delinquency of a minor. That was old lady Jenkins' idea. We were all harder than heck to handle at school. He left without a hassle, same as he came in. He winked goodbye to me and walked on. He knew things were different here now, just a wee bit. I kept wondering what was in it for him. Maybe he digs walking and singing in black clothes. Well, me, I don't know. This town ain't no good for me anymore. I'll stick around till I'm old enough to split on my own. And then, well, we'll see when the time comes. I'm going down the road a bit. I got some thinking to do. I'll see you later. A flippity doo da, a flippity-day. A flippity doo da a flippity-day. I just can't wait to get on the road again. Rediscovering this story reminds me that I was never a man's man. I didn't get macho. I never fit into adolescent or young adult traditional sex roles, probably because my dad was a closet homosexual and my extended family never set macho examples. Fortunately, Peggy Keeney introduced me to women's lib in my teens. And Jerry introduced me to and included me in men's liberation. Men's liberation was how does women's lib impact us, men? Jerry started a men's lib group. I was very much the youngest guy in the group and the only one not in a relationship. My group fellows range from 24 to 55, all with partners active in women's lib. Yet the support and self-reflection were formative for me. In fact, I was in an August 27, 1971 Life magazine article, You Come a Long Way, Buddy about our Men's Liberation Group. I'll put a link to that in my show notes. Kind of hard to read, but you'll find me. After this independent study, I dropped out of college altogether for a year or so and traveled to Columbia, South America, and then up to British Columbia. My dad died in 1972. I met my wife shortly thereafter and enrolled in nursing school a completely different trajectory than I imagined in Mexico. But I am delighted to have introduced my grandson to Mark Twain, a wonderful, wonderful author. So, happy birthday, Oscar. This one's for you. A flippity doo da a flippity day. A flippity doo da. A flippity day. Thanks to Kayla Nelson, web and social media coach, and Joey Van Leeuwen, musician and arranger. See the show notes, previous podcasts, and other resources through my website, www.health-hats.com please subscribe and contribute. If you like it, share it. Thanks. See you around the block.